hard as ever, I can tell you that. <laughs> Putting our hands on passes and balls. and Receivers, uh, they couldn't catch a cold if it was the middle of February. Well, I don't get a day break, they ain't cold. It's no good! He missed, it. He, missed it. It. he missed it! Drop it on my feet next time. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 81 of the Soda City Sit-Down. We are less than two weeks away from football season. By the time you're listening to it, it might just be a week away. It is so close. We are wrapping up our position breakdown tonight. We are doing a little bit of schedule breakdown for the Gamecocks with our predictions on the season. Uh, getting ready for next week, we'll break down more of the SEC and all of that, but we wanted to get the Gamecock breakdown first. Uh, of course, before we get into that, uh, we're just going to do a regular housekeeping, as we call it. Uh, just remind everybody that we are on social media. We're at Soda City Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram. We are also on Anchor. So follow us on that. Subscribe to us. Whatever you want to do, we post uh, we post the Anchor link on Twitter every single week, and you can go listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. So we definitely recommend doing that, checking it out, sending a link to friends, whatever you want to do. But like I said, we are just a couple of days away as we record right now. What's the number? The magic number is 11. Is that right? 11 days? Yeah, 11 I think so. days. Well, no, no. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think 11 days is the time of recording. So, I mean, wow. we are almost... Sing- By the time this is out, we'll be at single digits, I would assume. I mean, normally we take a day or two to edit it. So, uh, I mean, it is it is right around the corner. I mean, you can just... You can taste it. Uh, on Saturday, I was I was saying uh, um, I ate Bojangles for breakfast on Saturday morning uh, and got into a situation where I was taking fireball shots by Saturday afternoon, and I was like, my God, like it's here. Like, is that what the season, season tastes like, Bojangles and fireball shots? Is yeah, that, that is exactly it. Just about. And the agony of defeat. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you suffer any of that this Saturday as well? Uh, no, I did not, amazingly. You're saving that so. for uh, football season. <laughs> yeah, I'm saving that for hopefully at least till week hopefully three. Not, but uh, yeah. but yeah, so um, that is basically football season in the Southeastern Conference. Fireball and Bojangles. So it is uh, it is never old. I could do that all year long. Uh, maybe without the fireball though, because that would catch up with me pretty quick. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. Do, he's going to go. He's getting old now. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll dive right into it because we got a lot to cover. Uh, a little bit of updates from fall camp. Uh, definitely not as eventful of an, or eventful as a week as it was last week. Uh, the quarterback situation continues to develop. Of course, Doty is still out. Um, he's also out of his cast as of Sunday, so he's in a boot right now. Uh, it sounded like in Beamer's press conference today that he's doing a little bit of like workouts and drills and stuff on the field, uh, just kind of getting the rust knocked off a little bit. Um, so, you know, everything looks promising there. They're still not ready to name whether or not he's going to be the starter or if someone else is going to name the, be named the starter. But there has been a little bit of a wrench that's thrown into everything, if you can call it a wrench. Uh, one of our graduate assistants has taken off the coaching cap, turned in his whistle, and it changed it out for pads and a helmet. Uh, Zeb Nolan, a uh, guy who spent some time in both the Iowa State and North Dakota State programs, um, as like I said, gone from GA to quarterback, and how do we feel about that? Are we are we panicked at all by that decision, by the news of that coming out? I think it's uh, not as big of a deal as some people are making it out to be. I don't think he's ever going to play a meaningful snap for us, unless something crazy happens. 
I think it's really just to get some competitive depth to the quarterback, you know, practice area, you know, give the second and third string guys, uh, you know, a competent guy to, to go out there and, and play play QB so they can get good reps in and practice. Uh, the, I think it's been See, overblown that he's on the team. I I probably would have agreed with you last week around this time, like when we me and Tyler had, uh, did had, the podcast last I week. I can't we even remember. About it and we didn't really like say much about. I don't even. Think this we had already happened last week, right? Like this is yeah. okay. My bad. For some reason, I thought this was even fresher than our last recording, but. Yeah, no, but like the reason I think it's bigger news this week is because it 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 really does sound like Zeb Noland is is for now the front runner to be the starting quarterback in game 1. Yeah. And if you are lying if I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Shane Beamer himself. If <laughs> a couple weeks ago or a month ago if somebody would have told me that dude named Zeb Noland was going to be the starting quarterback for game <laughs> 1. I mean, not a single person had any clue. First, I mean, I, I feel like vast majority of the fans didn't know who this guy was in the beginning. <laughs> no, and then turns out he's going to be potentially be the starter to start the season, yeah. and, and maybe even week two depends on uh, Doty's timeline. Obviously, I I think we're all in agreement here that we'd love to see Doty, you know, be healthy and start game one. But definitely, at least for the Eastern Illinois game, don't need to worry about rushing him out there. But if Zeb Nolan's our quarterback, I mean, good good story. I I don't good story. think it. Set, I think it's a, a good thing that it sounds like he, he is a very smart kid and really yeah. knows the offense. It definitely doesn't make me feel good about the other guys. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, how reliable it, you can you can look one way or the other depending on uh, your your mindset of it. How reliable is this saying that he is this is a strong contender for the starter? I like, really don't know. It's been I a mean, week. Yeah, I mean the kid. The kid I, I, I is know. definitely experienced. I mean, like uh, like Beamer was saying, he's like the second oldest person on the team. He's twenty four years old. He's been in some good programs. I mean, Iowa State has been you know up and coming, one of the better programs in the country. And then I mean, you look at um, you look at North Dakota State, and you know you're like, okay, well that's a good program. But he was also the second string. But he was second string behind a guy that went drafted. What he was first round. Trey Lance was first round last year. Yeah, pick right? number three in the draft. Pick yeah. number three, that's right. The third overall pick in the draft. I forgot it was that high um, because unlike Austin, I don't pay him so much attention to the NFL draft. But um, as I've said on the podcast, the NFL draft was overrated. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, he went number three overall, and that's impressive. And this guy backed him up. And, I mean, who's to say how close it was? And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, he's here now, and it looks like he might be – the guy that gets rolled out, I don't think it'd be a disaster if it did happen that way. Just because I think that, I think that it's not really going to matter who our quarterback is week one. But I mean, I think it's a disaster if if he is starting after a week. That means all of our quarterbacks are awful. Like, yeah, but I don't care how time, good you are, like, or I don't care what level you're at. If somebody can come in within a week and beat you out. That means yeah, it's not good. It wouldn't be good. But uh, what was I, I was listening to the radio today, 107.5 The Game, and, and they did mention um, something I didn't even think about before is, you know, Gauthier and Brown and all that, they were going through spring practice with the Gamecocks and the spring game and, and all of the whole nine yards that goes along with that. Uh, at the same time, Zeb Olin was playing FCS football 
in a spring season. So it's not like he, you know, hasn't played since last fall or anything like that. You know, he was going through practices all up until April, mid-April, late April um, for things. So, I mean, he really is fresh in a way. So it's not like, you know, like I said, it's not like he just came out of exactly completely straight out of a coach's office and changed it all in. He's played somewhat recently and, you know, there's just a little bit of rust to dump off and there's, I think this time of year, there's people that, you know, they have sources and opinions and all that kind of stuff. And they, I feel like a lot of times they don't really know what they're saying. Uh, I think we've seen a little bit of that this week, talking about some doom and gloom coming out of practice and scrimmages and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm not too concerned yet. We'll see what happens when we get to week one. It might all be for nothing because Doty could very easily be the week one starter and we just are having a lot to talk about because we have nothing else to talk about. Uh, because otherwise, I mean, the off season and the preseason is going pretty smoothly for a team that went two and eight last year, in my opinion. I mean, considering our first two yeah. games, I don't think it's a rush to get Doty out there. I mean, yeah. it's not I like we got Georgia or something we, like that, like week we, one. I think we have like a good buffer yeah. period right now. We need to get Doty out there at least by ECU because he can't go. I mean, it would be an absolute disaster to just throw him into um, into Georgia. action. Yeah. In, at, in Athens, yeah. That would be so bad. Um, so if we could get some, you know, especially some playing time on the road and what should be an absolutely insane environment up there in, in, um, in Greenville, North Carolina, um, I, I think that that would be great a little bit to get under his belt. I mean, of course, I'd love for him to get all the reps in week one, and well, at least, you know, the first half of reps probably when it comes down to it, who is starting quarterback. Um and, you know, just get that confidence and stuff in week one. I guess a team that he should be able to kind of bully a little bit. But at the very least, he has to be back for week two. Yeah, I think the the most intelligent argument I've heard about uh, Zeb Nolan being the starter for at least the first game is he's, it seems like he's the most experienced. Like like you said, Tyler, he played mm-hmm. just a few months ago in the spring season. But also that he's he's just going to be a straight-up system quarterback that, that does the right thing. He's not an 18-year-old oh, kid who's going out for, to start in the first game, not a guy who's in um, Jason Brown who might be rusty having not played a few years. I, it's definitely not it, – it could potentially be an indictment on them, but at the same time I feel like what, what their goal is here is to go get give somebody the chance to go out there because you know you're going to beat Eastern Illinois if you don't throw seven interceptions. Like mm-hmm. as long as you're going out there and, and running the offense, and uh, he's probably being a, a grad assistant for this long, probably very very comfortable with the ins and outs of the offense. That's the way I see it, um, just from a, a di- avoiding disaster stand base. But uh, yeah, definitely it, you could have multiple different opinions there for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the only other, other thing that's coming out of spring practice, or I'm sorry, out of fall practice, as uh, we had the second scrimmage last week, uh, as expected, the offense bounced back a little bit, looked a bit better, uh, kind of outdid the defense there. Uh, like I mentioned, there was a bit of doom and gloom that came out later in the week regarding that first scrimmage, uh, but I think that was kind of a bit of a outlier of what most people have said all week previously to that. I think everyone agreed that defense is normally ahead of the offense in week one, and that I think somebody gave a source to somebody else and was just a little panic a little pissed all that kind of stuff I, i'm not going to panic over an offense that i haven't seen personally yet um i'm not going to get overhyped about an offense i haven't seen personally yet either but i, I think we're going to be okay i think it's right where everything needs to be with spring practice or gosh fall practice and uh and we should be ready to roll week one 
Anybody else with any comments? Uh, pretty much. I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> this week is just... It, it's gone quickly, like we're down to eleven days, but at the same time, it's dragged on. Like, oh, because well, it's like Saturdays are such topic. a tease, like with like these like kind of. War- I mean, they're real games, but just like it's well, we get real. to see we get to see Eastern Illinois on Saturday. We get to see them play yeah. uh, Indiana State. Scouting boys or what? <laughs> Indiana think, State. Uh, so. What is the the first games? First games are on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So we get to see Sweet. a football team, a football game between two teams that we've pretty much never heard about before, and uh, the most famous alumni out of either of the schools is a basketball player. So uh, nothing to worry about there. How about that? Yeah, you know when when the news this week has been around the uh, a GA turning quarterback, and then with <laughs> the whole freshman doing the the crate oh, challenge man. i'm like all right we need to we need to get to football we gotta spot just, the ball this is just an absolute waste of time <laughs> yeah uh so just like beamer i think we should just beamer's press conference uh today on tuesday uh we should just kind of blow past the whole crate thing and just kind of act like it never happened uh and make it a non-issue and get right into our db breakdown which i think yeah absolutely I'll go ahead and start. Well, is, is there a single position group that has been just as decimated as this defensive back group? Uh, definitely uh, not. I don't think maybe so. the quarterback room. <laughs> I, I don't one. even think it's close. Honestly, I think there's like no way. Yeah. Like, this is absolutely the the worst hit group we have. Um, I mean, well, you you look at the departures, man. J.C. Horn, Izzy McQuamu, Shiloh Sanders, Jamie Robinson, John Dixon. We're all the guys who that they accounted for like eighty percent of the snaps yes, from last year. And you can't forget I mean, and, and, Prunty. Yeah, and you and and Karan Prunty, who's a, a, a newcomer and a departure at the same time. <laughs> yeah. so like, he's, I mean, he's on a very. We're short missing list all of the snaps were, from him last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I mean, you just look at the 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 talent that went went out there. I mean, Horn and McQuamu going to the draft. Shiloh Sanders going to play for his dad in, uh, was it Jackson State? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then Jamie Robinson at FSU and John Dixon in Penn State. Like, I think there's a good chance both Jamie Robinson and John Dixon end up going pro. Shiloh Sanders probably has a chance. Like, that's that's a really good group of, of DBs, and, and losing them leads us to the returners. Uh, the guys we have some confidence in, Cam Smith, I mean, I feel like, Started slow last year, but definitely turned it on at the end of the year. Should should be our best DB once he's healthy. Um, but he's only I, a, a redshirt sophomore? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, our and, best uh, DB is a redshirt sophomore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we we it's been very up and down career for him, but R.J. Roderick is, is probably the second uh, second best returner. Uh, and he's going to be a starting safety. It sounds like it, it. It does sound like he's actually doing really well with uh, with the new coaching staff. So yeah, I've always thought that wait the, and see on that one. I've always thought that the potential was there for Roderick. He just never quite reached it. I mean, I know he's been a hard hitting guy, and you know that's something that you know at least, you at least love to see with that. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of other intangibles that go along with the position as well that he's kind of lacked in. Um, but I mean, he, the, the writing on the wall has always been there for him to be a successful player here. For sure, other guys I expect to to play a big role this year potentially as a starter or a backup are Jalen Dickerson and Jamar Brown, um, and Jalen Foster, the former walk on. Those guys are are definitely guys we've we've seen play a decent bit, who will probably uh, factor in. And then outside of that, other returners are 
younger guys, Joey Hunter, Dominic Hill, O'Donnell Fortune, all came in in the same class. Uh, I guess it was the 2020 or 2019 recruiting class, so last year was their first year. Um, and Darius Rush as well, who may factor in. Uh, but a, a group of returners with not a whole lot of experience. And then, obviously, when you lose so many guys, especially to the transfer portal going out, we got plenty coming in from the transfer portal. Uh, Juco guys, Tyrese Ross from Washington State. You got graduate transfer from uh, Assumption. Uh, Isaiah Norris, a Juco guy, was the first Beamer commit. Um, then some other transfers, David Spaulding and uh, Marcellus Dial. Between those five guys, I actually think that you'll see a lot more from them than you will from a lot of the returners outside of Cam Smith and R.J. Roderick. I, I think those guys are going to make up uh, a little bit more from the starters. But it's going to be a mixed bag between returners and uh, transfers. And then uh, the only other newcomer of note is Ladarian Craig, a, a commit from Louisiana who, you know, never never know. A young guy, but he, he may come in and, and play at some point. So you look at the, the names, and it's a lot of unknowns, but definitely, of, of my in my opinion, the position group of the biggest worry, just like you said, Austin, just decimated by transfers by guys going to the draft and you know it's it's got a lot of players that's that's one thing you can say about it. i mean we definitely when beamer came in he definitely focused on the transfer portal getting guys in and um even though it won't affect this season we've got a ton of commits for the the upcoming class of, of, of looking like a, a decent class of guys but you know for now i'll, I'll kind of start with some of the storylines with with all the talent and experience lost what are the real expectations for this unit? I mean, this is a new age defense, right? I mean, you think about it. Not only do you have pretty much a, a minus the couple starters that we mentioned. I mean, you have a brand new defensive backs coach. You got a brand new defensive coordinator, brand new head coach. Uh, one who I want to think is more offensively inclined. When I mean, we know Muschamp was um, a defensive coach, right? But I mean, I think that quote, I don't really know unquote, if we know what. Yeah, quote. yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll just keep it at that, right? But I, I don't know. So they tell us. Yeah, yeah. I'm still looking, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm, I don't know if we know what to expect, right? I mean, maybe that sounds harsh, but, I mean, this is literally a new age defense. It's, it's a new age team. I mean, we don't really know. Well, we know who we have coming back, but how they're going to fit schematically with this new defense we got coming in, um, you know, the, the losses that we have and the new people coming in. I mean, I think this defense is going to be totally different than what we're used to. Um, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think we have a nice couple, like two games to kind of warm out and let the pieces align and see who plays well where. But I really don't know what to expect, to be honest, guys. I, I, I'm excited, but at the same time, kind of nervous because I mean, we just lost so much talent. Yeah, I'll tell you what my, my expectations are. This group for me is stop the bleeding. We have a great front, of, uh, front seven, specifically on our D-line. We need these guys to stop the bleeding so that those guys can do what they can do for us. If we're like the old Muschamp where we're just giving up 10 yards of cushion and letting them just tear apart our, our defensive backs, then we're going to have a real tough time on defense. We need these guys to be able to play enough and give our defensive line enough time to play to our, the strength of our defense. And I think that's asking a lot, but... You know, I think you could scheme it in a way that, you know, they don't get as exposed as they could. I definitely think there's going to be games where we just get torched because looking at the names on this this part of the roster, it, it doesn't look great. 
but there's potential for us not to just get absolutely roasted every single game. I think that's just that the hope yeah. is that we don't give up 400 yards passing every single game. Well, just just going to build on that. I know we talked about this during our defensive line breakdown and how like the pressure wasn't really there that we needed. Our strength was that our secondary was so good that even though we weren't getting much pressure on opposing quarterbacks, we were at least able to kind of deflect the ball, you know, play tough defense in the back. But now that our secondary is weaker, if that defensive line struggles at all and isn't able to get to the quarterback, I mean, like Clayton said, I mean, it's going to be going to be rough. You know, you need these guys to be able to I guess, stop the bleeding. I think it's a pretty good. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I'm worried about the defensive line getting to the quarterback. It's more of will they have time to get to the quarterback before there's someone wide open. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah, and I, like and like we were kind of saying here. I know we mentioned it both now the DBs and, and the defensive line, but they definitely have to kind of coexist and, and work off of each other uh, for the defense to be successful. Which I guess is just kind of very obvious to say, but. Um, but I also want to say, I think the biggest loss that really hurts me on this team, um, and this might be controversial, but it's a loss to Shiloh Sanders. Uh, because if you remember on this That's a bold breakdown, <laughs> just remember this on this breakdown last year, um, I, I said based off of like who we could see as like the breakout star, and I said not who I thought, but who I want to be the breakout star was Shiloh Sanders. And I said the whole spiel about how because if he does something and he does something good, they're going to be like, that is Deion Sanders' kid. And maybe if Deion's there, they'll show him in the crowd. And now that Deion's coaching, it would be tougher for him to show him in the crowd, but they could still go, that's Deion Sanders' kid. And having Deion Sanders' name attached to your program is not going to be a bad thing. However, I mean, I'm attached. assuming you're not counting people that went to the draft because you make the same argument for J.C. Horn, who is just – better in every way but also has an <laughs> nfl dad so okay I, yeah i get your point Bo. but i'm gonna have to agree having no i raise you play this point. Is probably better <laughs> no <laughs> no offense to joe horn but Dion sanders is a much bigger name but if we're talking taking the level name. of play on the field of the actual <laughs> players too i'm I taking jc horn every i time. know yes Yes, I, but I, I'm not saying I would take Shiloh Sanders over J.C. Horn. We were going to lose J.C. Horn regardless is what I'm kind of yeah. trying to say. Like, Shiloh yeah. Sanders, it hurts because, like, it was kind of a, a shock. A potential returners. Exactly. Yeah, we were going to lose Mook and we are going to lose Horn, you know, regardless, last year. Um, but, like, it was really a shock. Like, this dude was going to probably be a starting defensive back in the SEC, and then he transferred to Jackson State. Again, no disrespect to Jackson State or anything. It just that I one some disrespect. Hurt. I said some disrespect. Honestly, like, yeah. yeah, it's dis- full <laughs> full disrespect intended uh, to Coach Dion over there. Um, even Never more heard disrespect. Of him. <laughs> <laughs> or just Dion, if y'all caught that. Are you on a first conference. name basis now? Just Dion. Uh, I yeah, got it. I got Is it. Mr. Yeah. Sanders. Well, Coach hey, Sanders. you know, I think when you look at all the guys, you know, we mentioned different guys, losing guys, and and guys coming in. Uh, when I look at it, I expect that Cam Smith is going to be one of the starters, that R.J. Rogers is going to be a starter at safety. But elsewhere, there's a, there's a couple different position battles. Um, losing Karan Prunty, let, let's, let's talk about how much that hurt because I, I think so it's worth much. noting how we, we mentioned him on so many different podcasts in the past about being a freshman All-American um, coming from Kansas where his stats were ridiculous at Kansas in facing the offenses of the Big 12 at Kansas, who is not a football school and just doing so well. Um, 
how much did the Prunty loss hurt? I mean, I'll start by saying, yeah, he was going to be a day one starter. The kid was had years left, and whatever issue came up, I mean, it definitely hurt. But it sounds like Marcella style. Like, I think there's a there's a reason Coach Beamer came out and said that he was probably has been the best defensive player so far. Like the biggest surprise, um, just the defensive MVP so far of fall camp. It sounds like he's going to be that other starter opposite Cam Smith. And while the depth behind that is super questionable, if Dial can come in and, and be really good off the off the start, I mean, that's that's very exciting to hear. It sounds like he and uh, I think it was he and Jalen Brooks kind of had some really good reps um, offensively and defensively against each other uh, back and forth. So um, not an ideal situation. Having Prunty would be great, even if Dial ended up beating him out for a starting position, which I feel like probably wouldn't have happened but even if it would have added a little bit of depth and some experience and yeah definitely hurt but I'm really excited to see what Dial can do I agree I think I think he's definitely stepped up and uh, we've heard a lot about him and I am really looking forward to actually see with my own eyes what that looks like on the field so um, just to see if that's just all coach talk or if that's actually the real deal he's looking pretty solid well, I mean, speaking of coaches, one thing I just want to emphasize real quick, kind of my point earlier, I know we're a little bit worried about this group and kind of what the potential is. I'm excited, though, for the coaching staff. I mean, we didn't bring in bums, and I, I truly mean that we didn't no, bring we bums at all No, we have a damn good coach side. in this position. Yeah, Clayton White and Torian Gray, uh, defensive coordinator and uh, our cornerbacks coach, respectively. I mean, you look at the talent. I'm not saying they're on our team right now necessarily, but if you look at the NFL talent that Torian Gray has put in the NFL, I mean, the Fuller brothers – uh, was it Marcus May, C.J. Henderson, who you know high draft picks the last couple of years? Um, I, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head from Western Kentucky, but if you look at what Clayton White did to a team like the Hilltoppers, who really aren't a powerhouse by any means, I mean they were ranking in the top thirty nationally, I think, for defense. I mean that's impressive considering the conference they're in, um, and you know they emphasize like passing uh, their passing coverage specifically was really 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 good. Um, so I think if you just look at the talent that's been developed by the coaches that we have and put it on a team like us who can recruit and who are in a conference that just puts out defensive backs, I'm not too worried about development. Um, I think give it a couple years with the guys that we have, and this, this group can be special. I, I completely agree with that there. Of course, but I'm also the biggest sunshine pumper, but I agree. <laughs> no, no, but I just, like, you look, you literally just look at what these coaches have done, like, in the past and the talent they've brought out. No, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. like, I'm not at all worried. I just think we need to give it some time. This first year might be a little rough. Kind of let the guys see what niche they fill in and let this coaching staff kind of figure things out. But, I mean, I, I'm excited for this, this new age defense with the coaching staff that we have. I am, too. Kind right of the, it. yeah, the... the uh, like not expectation, but kind of like what along the same vein of what you're talking about is kind of what reminds me of the Panthers defense last season. I know we don't really want to talk about NFL that much, but the Panthers had zero talent on the defense, but except for a little bit sprinkled in on the defensive line, but they were able to scheme their way around to have a pretty solid defense with like almost no talent. So there's ways that you can get around it to, you know, play to your strengths and cover up your weaknesses so hopefully Clayton White can do it, but uh, it's yet to be seen. For sure. Uh, uh, one more thing, I think, to, to end us off here. Um, we talked a little bit about the expectations, the potential, some of the transfers in. 
Um, just to go over what I think the expected breakdown will be. Remember, this is a new defensive system here under Clayton White. Um, we're going to have five defensive backs, uh, probably two corners, two safeties, and a nickel. Um, that nickel is probably going to be Jamar Brown, uh, just based on experience and everything. And I, I think he could be a good player. Has been very much injury plagued. Um, at safety, it looks like it's going to be R.J. Roderick, and then it could be the former walk-on and Jalen Foster, who played a good bit last year. It could be one of these JUCO guys. I think Tyrese Ross, while he showed up late, has played well. Um, you know, you've got Carlin Splatel, the graduate transfer. It sounds like he's made a couple good plays. Um, and then, I guess, that so that pretty much covers everything. I would expect Dial and Cam Smith to be the starters at corner. Although with Cam Smith out, it's kind of a toss-up who that other corner spot will be. We saw a couple guys he, that are returners here and there, but definitely not a great situation. It, it sounds like Cam Smith's injury is pretty similar to that of Luke Doty and Kevin Harris, where they could be ready by game one, but don't necessarily have to be. And for me, it, it, it all comes down to whether they're healthy and get practice before ECU. Because like we said, not only do we not want them coming out rusty against Georgia because that's going to be just a rough look for all everyone all around but also because that ECU game is very important and it's not like the Eastern Illinois game we're about to get into our schedule breakdown but I think you could you could look at the on the road against ECU and and be a little worried so you definitely want to have uh, Cam Smith back for that game if possible and you know if, if those are the starters we'll we'll see I think with this being a young and inexperienced group it'll help to get um, a couple of those easier games earlier in the season so that maybe we lock down who our best guys are. We start to get some development over that side of the ball. And, you know, the last note I have is just that it sounds like, I mean, you can't deny the departures of this group. You can't deny the lack of experience coming back. But it doesn't sound like this group has been the worst performing group on the team. It, It sounds like, at least through the first scrimmage, the defense looked really good. The offense sounded like they bounced back in the second scrimmage and, and outperformed the defense. But you've heard good things here and there about a lot of the different defensive backs. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm definitely not expecting a whole lot from this group. But like we said, they could be really solid. Uh, just depends on how things play out. It's, it's how a couple of the different question mark groups on this team are. But with that, you know, it's time. We are 11 days and it we've held off long enough. It's time for the South Carolina Gamecocks schedule breakdown and Woo! the Soda City Sit Down prediction, baby. What do we got? Twelve and zero. All right, and that concludes and our that podcast. Concludes our fight. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler doesn't make score prediction. Also, now not making actual season at all. <laughs> he just gets progressively worse and worse and more and more vague. Broad. He just doesn't care. All right, we ready to get into this? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do Buckle it. Up. All right, starting out. With Eastern Illinois, I think everyone is planning on being there except for Austin. Cox by 90. Austin is a big loser. Um, I think Cox yes. by 90 is actually a very, very possible score prediction for this one. Um, I thought that was a podcast. It is. And it it's is. a score so prediction. Shout out to it can him, be both. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, we're talking Eastern Illinois. Uh, they played a all-FCS schedule last year, only won one game. Uh, they only won one game in 2019. So they might be the only team in the country that has won less games than the Gamecocks in the last two seasons. Uh, and let's try to keep it that way. Uh, I think this one is going to be an absolute rollover. Uh, it doesn't matter if we have 
the first string quarterback, second string quarterback, or really just the entire third string of the team in for the entire game, I think we win this one handedly. Um, I, please tell me if someone thinks differently, but I think this is just an easy walkover W to start out the season, regardless of what happens. Knocking yeah, on I mean, wood if this is profusely. a close game, I think that that is a problem. So if it's within, if this... like, 14, I think that, you know, we're going to be be sweating going into week two. Yeah, if this is anything less than three scores, then it's you might want to sound the alarms. Um, but I think this is going to be a great game for everybody uh, with the situations going on with some early season injuries, uh, with getting the coaching staff in, uh, just giving them a good, easy victory for the first game, keeping everyone happy, keeping momentum rolling. Um, because, I mean, I'm telling you, everything is set. Williams-Brice is going to be absolutely rocking. It's only Eastern Illinois. Um, it, it's going to be an absolute fun one coming in there. On Slobber knocker. Whatever that is. But, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I think that, like I said, sends us right up the road to Greenville for game number two with ECU. Uh, this one's got the fan base a little bit more concerned. Um, ECU is a team that... Uh, I guess they've got an improved offense, not a lot going on defensively. Um, it's on the road uh, in a small, you know, not normal environment for playing for a team like South Carolina. Um, but I still think this one's going to end up being a W. Uh, what you guys think? How did they even do last I'm year? Very, I don't even know. I, like, how I, we see I don't think year. they did too they, well. They didn't do no, well. They, they were below 500. They haven't been that, good, but they are expected to be improved this year. I will say I'm very worried about this game. I think the perception is that this is on equal footing with Eastern Illinois just because it's a non-conference game. This is our second hardest non-conference game outside of Clemson, and this is the game. I, I look at this kind of how I looked at that North Carolina game to open 2019. We should win. It. it we will probably be favored by double digits. But that being said, it just, on the road... A, a young team in its first coaching, uh, Coach Beamer's first game, or second game, first road game, it just sets up as a trap game early in the season, and I think we squeak it out, but I, I feel like it's not without some adversity in this one. I, I do worry about this game. Couldn't have said it better myself. I was going to say exactly that. It's a trap game, but uh, I, I think that, that we still come out with the win here. If we don't have Doty, my confidence is definitely uh, shaken some, but I think he should be back by then. But yeah, I guess we count that as a W, and then you know we go on the road to Georgia. So we're starting three and zero, pretty obvious one there. <laughs> I mean, you you got to go. You know, the last time we played there, we came out with a W. Uh, you know, and and we can we can beat Georgia with a backup quarterback. We know that too. So uh, even if Luke Doty isn't back by week three, I think we're still safe and sound. Uh, you know, as long as somebody. Uh, and the DB groups that we just talked about comes out and has a career game with three interceptions, just like our guy Mukwamu had two years ago, I think we're all right. I think we might need a little more than that this year. <laughs> we <laughs> might a little bit more than that. Uh, in all serious, Georgia's easily possibly one of the top two teams in the country, maybe even the number one team in the country. Uh, we'll get a good sense of who they are exactly uh, here on the 4th um, with their big game against Clemson up in Charlotte. Um so I know they got a couple of guys that are going to be out for that. Uh, you know, 
to go right along with how Sparrow used to call it, um, and that they've had some injuries as well. Um, but even I, I don't think those guys are expected to be out by the time we get to them. Uh, but like I said, we'll, we'll have a very good idea of exactly who Georgia is after week one. Uh, and I don't think, regardless of how that test is answered for them, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think it's going to be an L for us here in Athens this time around. Uh, they're they're going to get us this time, but we're coming. So, yeah, so everybody's agreeing that it's 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 an L. I hate to so say it, up. but yes, yes. So it's yes. two and one going into home versus Kentucky. Not a bad start. Not a bad start. And, I, you know, I think every, uh, pretty much everyone will agree that two and one is is very likely to be the record going into the Kentucky. But that's – this is the one – the first swing game, I think. The one that is is – is going to be a single-digit line going into the game. Kentucky will very likely be favored, uh, just based on pre- uh, preseason perception and, and recent past. But it, it's one that you've got them at home. I'm really hoping this is going to be a night game or at least just a, an afternoon game to where it, we can really pack Something Williams other than Bryce. a 12 o'clock kick is what you're saying. Yeah, anything. Anything but a noon kick. This is the first but, game to date that has not had a time set to it, right? We've got everything up through Georgia, yes. right? Okay. Yeah, we've got everything for the first three. I, I've, I, I really go back and forth on this game uh, because it's Kentucky, and I think we should always beat Kentucky, and I hate Kentucky. But I'm, I'm worried about what kind of team we will have at this point. Um, we've, we've played Kentucky like last year. We lost to them badly, yeah, but it was a, it was also was a, not, a game yeah. you can just throw out because. I mean, half the team is is not even there. Exactly. The, like that 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 game, you you can ignore, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you could say the same thing two years ago when we beat Kentucky handily. That game, you can also just throw out because it's completely different. Pretty much everything. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very very close game. I think that it's going to be really tough to lose to Kentucky at home in this game, but I don't think it defines our season. I think we will end up losing in a close one, but. I wouldn't be surprised if we win either, because I think this is a swing game. If we're going to get to a bowl eligibility, I think we need to to win games like these, but we don't have to win all of them. And I think I think I'm going to call this one a, a close, narrow loss at home. I am going to basically with everything that you say, Matt. Um, but I think that this is going to come down with a W on our side. Of course, I know I am the sunshine pumper, um, but I I do think. Like I said, I agree with everything you said. I think that you know the a lot of the last two years can be thrown out the window. Um, when you look at that, you've still got um, the whole deal with they won five straight before we our win two years ago last time we played in Columbia. But I think we've seen a massive, massive overhaul of culture in the last couple months, really since the last time we were on the field against the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, I don't think you're going to really see exactly where that change in culture. Um, is really going to be a big factor in our first three games because I think those games are going to just go how they go. Um, you might just see a little bit more fight out of Georgia, but I think when we get to Kentucky, it's gonna we're hopefully going to be sitting pretty two and one. First game back at home in a couple weeks, if second game at home of the season uh, should have a good atmosphere, and I think this is going to be a team and a coaching staff that's going to be hungry starving even to show we're mm. not going to continue this trend we are beating kentucky and we are bringing that back to be a regular deal and no time like the present to get that started austin so i 
I know we'll get into this as the game approaches, and we're kind of the week before we do our like you know roster breakdowns and our matchup favorites and all that. I can't really think of where I favor Kentucky in this matchup, like roster wise. Granted, I'm not familiar with their their roster at all, um, who they added, who they lost, stuff like that. I think that I mean I know what happened last year, but as Matt was saying, man, that was not even really a team. They, I mean, half the team was gone, had quit. I mean, it, it was just. A, a, we wouldn't even really have a team. It was just a, a cluster. So I, I like to, fair. yeah. I mean, it was. This <laughs> we did whole, have a team. We had a cluster. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a cluster. So, but we put that I like on what Tyler said. Um, I, I you know the, this new coaching staff. They're going to come in with this mindset of like you know we're not going to continue the trends of the last staff um, or really even years prior where like Kentucky just always seemed to have our number for whatever reason. Um, like I said, I like kind of where we stand in this game. I'm with Matt though. I think it's going to be very close. But I want to side with Tyler here. I think it will be close, but it'll be on the side of the Gamecocks. Um, I just like our roster versus theirs. Um, I think our our defense will be much improved since that last uh, game that we played against them. Um, but I expect it to be it better close be because they sides. torched us. Yeah, yeah. The rosters on both teams are pretty comparable. Also, I mean, quarterback issues for both running backs heavy. Gameplay, so we'll see. We haven't had any rest in the last couple weeks, so that's all right. Sure. Well, Devin, we know Devin picked, uh, he's not on tonight, but he picked South Carolina at a loss. So, Clayton, you're the tiebreaker. Where are you going with this one? All right, so I think that we actually have some pretty favorable matchups into Kentucky. Uh, I think our the strength of our team is that both our offensive and defensive line in Kentucky uh, is also a running team. Matthew just said that they had uh, some, some quarterback issues, the same as us, mm-hmm. but that being said, I just think that. We have too many glaring weaknesses on our team. I don't think Kentucky's a bad team. I think they have some Ooh. talent that, I mean, we also have. But I, I just think that Kentucky just kind of had our number as of recently, and I, I think it's going to be be a loss. Why are we letting Clayton be the tiebreaker? It's just. I mean, so I could have gone earlier, and Matt could have. could have. Could have been the tiebreaker. I don't know. It's just depressing to have you be the tiebreaker. You're the most opposite of me, not sunshine pumper. <laughs> I think you two need to go first. You two need to go first. Have the, how, have how the two spectrums go first. Have the sunshine pumper and the <laughs> oh, negative Nancy man. go first, and then let everyone else in the middle kind of. Dude, we're going twelve and zero. What are you talking about? We're not losing. You're just predicting us to lose to Georgia. No, I did not. Actually, you did. Scratch. That from recording. the record. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> uh, well, I think we can move pretty quickly past Troy. I, I think this one should be a, an easy dub. The only ga- home game I know I won't be able to go to. So if if I don't go to the game and we lose, then that's this one's on me, boys. Can I say this? No. If we can pull the LSU <laughs> and take the loss to Troy and turn in return, get a national championship like two or three years yeah, later. Yeah, I'm gonna stop you there. Just, sold. No, just sold. I will. Just I will stop. do it. I will sell my soul to the devil. Just stop. <laughs> I will stop. lose to Troy for a national Make championship. There is no like national championship ever if we lose to Troy. I'm just telling you right now, ever if we lose to Troy, it's just yeah. We already lost to the Citadel. Can it get any worse? And how many championships do we have? <laughs> Look at that 1960 hey, title. Our <laughs> second of second of a few swing games come up after this to the decimated Tennessee Volunteers going to <laughs> Knoxville. I new head coach. I I have to. You have to. I think this has to be a win. This is absolutely. I know a win. that it's. I know it's Tennessee, and they're a whatever storied program. I that doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Oh yeah, they, they could the historic be historic Tennessee. They they still have talent just like we do. Um, but they I think they lost a lot more than we did. I think 
you know, this this is a tightly contested game every year. Um, it's back and forth. In battle of two rookie head coaches. I, I, I said rookie I two think, head coaches. I think, I think we're going to take Tennessee, and I think this is the year that we win pretty handily in this one. I don't know about pretty handedly, um, but I will say that I don't think that Hoople is a good coach. Um, obviously, I know that it's tough to carry the baton from Scott Frost, who like lost one game in his last two years at UCF. But I think that a school like UCF, that I know you guys like to hate on them, but I do think they're in a great position to excel. Um, I think he definitely took noticeable steps back in his tenure at UCF. Granted, like I said, I know it was a tough torch to carry, but still, I just don't think he did a good enough job. I think Tennessee, or I think UCF won the coaching switch by getting rid of Hupel and bringing in Gus Malzahn. Um, but we're not talking about UCF here. We're talking about Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee is definitely a dumpster fire. Um, I know I am the sunshine pumper, but I truly believe that we were the better team last year than Tennessee. We just had a horrible coaching staff that didn't know how to step on their throat when we had a chance to step on their throat early in that game, and it came back and haunted us. And we also had just the unfortunate events of the last punt at the end of the game um, that kind of killed any chances of a comeback as well. Um, Cam Smith having to play and yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah so their offense it. was decent, wasn't it last year? Like pretty, pretty middle of the pack. It was, it was you know, it was whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw five Garoppolo. games. Okay, listen. I don't yeah, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that regardless of the outcome last year, we were still the better team. Uh, it just first game of the season, uh, coaching staff that obviously needed to be changed uh, killed that, um, and I think that. We have, you know, at least net gain or loss, or whatever you want to call it, we've fared a lot better than Tennessee in the offseason, and I think it's going to show a lot. Um, whether it's a dominating win like Matt's predicting, I don't know, but I think it's still going to be a W. All right, I want to hear what Clayton has to say for this one. <clears throat> yeah. So I think this is an, another interesting game. I think that Tennessee got absolutely decimated by transfers i think the number of transfers they had was something absurd like in the 30s i think it was in the 40s or did we, for, didn't they hit 40s so it's it's it some, 39 yeah it's oh, some ridiculous so amount of transfers nice. and not only did they have a ridiculous number of transfers they had a key like some key players that transferred yes. out as well so because of all of that and the fact that i now live in tennessee this has got to be a win for me that's I a lot of think that, there, that was really, good. the difference here for me is a coaching difference that Tyler brought. I just do not believe in Hupel, and I have a lot more faith in Shane Beamer, and I think we are probably pretty comparable roster-wise. So I'm I'm giving my faith to Shane Beamer to bring it home. Clayton, I take back everything that I said about you five minutes ago. You're my favorite person on the podcast. And you're going to take Let's this back go. in like the next two Absolutely. Three when we get to probably I, we'll, we'll just we'll wait. Missouri. <laughs> Vin. Yeah. Vin. Yeah. Austin. Clayton, we're going to lose to Vanderbilt this year. Uh, Mark Lee is incredible. So, yeah, I'm with uh, Clayton and Tyler here. Uh, so, yes, first of all, Tennessee is an absolute dumpster fire right now between just I don't know. Tennessee always seems to be the highlight of the SEC offseason, whether it be because their athletic director, um, because of transfers, whatever it might be. The past couple of years, their offseasons have been very interesting to watch from an outside point of view and watching the fan base just go absolutely nuts and start burning stuff. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> I think that we have a really good shot here. I was kind of talking about it earlier with like matchup favorites versus Kentucky. I actually see. Um, granted, I'm not. I know Tennessee had a lot of transfers out. I'm not too familiar with their roster either. But just based on everything that I've heard and seen from that program, I like a lot of our matchups that favor us going into that game. The one thing I can say is I'm not a fan of ever playing uh, at Tennessee. Uh, it's kind of you know Rocky Top's not the best place to play. Um, in that shithole that oh. is Rocky Top, but um, I, I like where we stand in that matchup. It's two rookie or two first-year head coaches going against it. Um, I just like what our staff brings better. Um, I don't really have much faith in Hupel either, and it sounds like just based on what's happened since he's been there, the program's in really disarray. So mm-hmm. um, there's a ten in Tennessee, and I see us winning by ten. Go Cox! Woo! I like that. I like that. All right. Uh, now, where's the 10? Uh, what number is in Vanderbilt? Because I don't see number, like, Vanderbilt, 50 in there. Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is crushing <laughs> for a billion. So, I don't think we really so. <laughs> need to talk about Vanderbilt. I think all of us are expecting to go in. Vanderbilt was a terrible team last year. Did not get a single mm-hmm. win. They lost their head coach. Might have been an upgrade. I don't know. I didn't really think that. The head they coach lost their is really their too. problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> God such. Damn it. I think that I, I think Vanderbilt is just a, an administration problem through and through. Uh, but I mean, I don't think that Derek Mason helped anything. I think Clark Lee was a good hire for them. He's yeah. a Vanderbilt guy. He'll get them more on the right track. But yes, not this year. I It'll think definitely take should. some time, especially being at home. I don't. No, it, it, this is one you got to win. Exactly. And and you know. You kind of separate the season into like the easier portion and the harder portion. The anomaly being Georgia um, in the early season, but in the first seven games we have us going five and two. I think that's going to be very necessary if we're trying to get to a bowl game. But then it gets difficult real fast going on the road to A and M, and this is probably the game I'm least confident in. Oh yeah, I, um, I will we ever? Year, gonna, I I'm going. No, I'm going to say what I say every single year until it happens until we beat a&m it's an l it's just an automatic l until we win which at this point seems like it's never going to happen unfortunately i'm i'm with you there i'm with you there i've talked myself into other years finding a way to beat a&m all the time but i think this year being at a&m the kind of team they had last year it's just it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen. And this I think year. they're I think they're even better. I'm I'm with you guys. Yes. I think But it's, it's this year. The year well, that we've given yeah. up. The year that we've given up is no. the year we're gonna do it. No. No. I, I hope you're right. Hopefully. But I think this this team could potentially be in the college. I think they playoff. could too. I mean definitely. I, it, it's it all depends on that. Mon left, but Fisher's just recruiting over there like crazy. I mean yeah, they're doing a great job really in the recruiting field. So But yeah, I mean I, I think that's gonna be one of the the toughest games of the year. But uh, then the next game, we uh, we go against Florida at home. Um, you know, we've had some some games against Florida recently, particularly the last time we played them at home, where you know we played really well with them, and and a couple games, frustrating games, because we really could have won a couple last year. We we stayed close, but clearly they were the better team. Um, but you know, we're always competitive in that one. I think there's an outside shot we win this game. I think it depends on their quarterback situation. Because I personally am not a believer in Emory Jones, and it's starting to sound like he may not be all that was hyped up to be. Dun, I, I've dun, seen him dun. play very little, but I just don't. I don't think he has it. 
it I'm gonna assume he's good. he's not gonna be good, and with that I'm I'm calling the upset from from here. We'll we'll see game week what what it's looking like, but I'm giving us the win in this one. This is my my bold take of the of the season. I'll I'll put mine in. I'll I'll cut you off and say nope. I think Florida's <laughs> way more talented than we are. No. Even if Emory is not good, he's probably better than any quarterback that we have on our roster, and they're just way more talented in basically every position. Uh, I think it's just an L. All right, so my thoughts on this game is this is where the kind of this is where we're going to see how the momentum of the season is going. Uh, based on the S is a group, we're five and three going into this game. Uh, based on what I've said myself, we're six and two. Uh, this is going to be a big momentum game. Whether we're five and three or six and two coming into this game, Williams Bryce is going to be rocking this place. We always get hyped up for Florida. Uh, we have more reasons to hate Florida now because of the whole Will Muschamp thing. Um, I think that Florida is a team that we can't attack because, like Matt said, it is a team that has been closer, um, all, you know, throughout the last couple years and, you know, even when it's not supposed to be close. However, I don't think we win this one. I think that this one is going to go in the loss column. But I would not be the least bit surprised if we won, but I am going to put this one in the loss column for the Gamecocks. I mean, I gave us a W, and I, I I would still be surprised if we win, to be honest. But, you know, that's kind of just how it works. Tyler, I'm shocked, quite frankly. I'm flabbergasted. I, 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 I went know, ahead I, and totaled I, you as a W. I, I, I saw you, I saw you put it on the sheet, and I said, I'm going to blow this kid's mind. I totally, like, I can't even think straight because of your answer now. Um, so two, <laughs> two things going into this Florida game. One, uh, we're coming off a of bye week. Two, they're coming off a very intense game with Georgia uh, the fall, the previous week. So taking those into mind, I think Florida will be a little beat up and will be well-rested. I don't deny uh, kind of what everyone's been saying, the quarterback situation. I think they have far and above a better quarterback on their roster. However, that offense took a big, big, big hurting with um, the talent. I mean, obviously Trask is gone, Kyle Pitts, um, that big receiver they had whose name is Casey right Tony. now. Yes, Kadarius Tony. thank you, uh, going to the Giants. So uh, that offense took a big hit. Um, I know they're. Pro- I know Dan Mullen's probably bringing in some more offensive talent. It wouldn't surprise me. They still have a great quarterback there. Florida recruits well, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I don't think the matchups really favor us anywhere. However, I can just see us kind of coming off a bye week, maybe sneaking one in there. Um, I think it's going to be close, and I like the fact that we're playing at home. We know what happened the last time we played at home. We don't really have to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, how poorly the game was officiated but oh um, i kind of had gotten that out of my head for a little bit yeah i'm sorry i brought that back i'm sorry uh, okay know, i'm, I'm back. So okay sorry. we're good yeah we're good Continue. um so <laughs> i truly and like like we said we always play florida close no matter how bad we might be or how good they might be i'm going to squeak us in a win because i'm, I'm yeah i feel good about that game i'm going to squeak us in a win it's gonna be very close very close very dramatic Put us down for the dub. Am I correct in saying that our former defensive backs coach? Yes. Or no? Was it our for, former? Was it DB's coach or defensive coordinator is is now at Florida? Like, well, our current defensive backs coach used to T. be T. Rob's at Miami. Yeah, but T. Rob. Okay, Miami. I, I got that one wrong. We got Tory and Gray. Yeah, we got Tory and Gray. It's it's a dub. It's a dub. It's a dub. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely gonna be a tough game. It, it's. But like you said, Austin, coming off the bye week uh, after the Georgia game, 
um, for them. It, it's definitely what you'd call a trap game from their side, I think. But oh, then you get to the to another one of these swing games, games that could go either way. Probably going to be a close line at Missouri. Um, I just we played Missouri really well last season. Uh, once Luke Doty came in the game, um, our defense shut him out in the second half. And, you know, we almost came away with a, a shocking win. Um, we've had some really good games with them in the past, but I, I just feel like this is going to be a letdown. Um, even if I said we just beat Florida, I think we, we come back on the road. and Is and that Kentucky game? Is that 2010 Kentucky game? <laughs> it's not even like that bad because no. I, I don't think we'll be favored in this one, but I just no. I don't see I, – I have a tough time. I think Missouri's on the upswing. Um, and I think we need to compete with the Kentucky and Missouris to really make our mark in the East, but I'm not sure it's this year. Damn. I, um, yeah, I agree I with you there. I, I think Missouri's upswing is really due to their, their coach, uh, Drinkwitz. Yeah. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, he beat us at App State right before going to Missouri, and I, yeah. I don't think this is the year that we break that streak. Yeah, I, I'm going to be right here with you. I think uh, when you look at the game and how it went last year, um, and how, you know, like you said, we did shut him out in the second half. We looked like we might have a little bit of a spark coming through with Doty coming into the game and, and playing well in that first appearance. Um, however, I, I, I agree. I think Drinkwitz is a good coach. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that Missouri shouldn't get used to getting the best of us. Um, and it's going to be a loss this year, but I don't think that's going to be the case very often going forward. So I don't think I can say anything better than what Matt just said. In fact, he kind of put it perfectly into perspective in the way that I'm thinking about it. Um, he covered all the main points. I, I think we're going to kind of, assuming we win, like I said, against Florida, I think we're going to come up and like be on this massive high of highs, and Missouri is just going to rip our heart out. Uh, they're going to be that game that we go into feeling pretty good about a Florida win, and then it's just going to be just a devastating. I'm, by devastating loss, I don't mean it's going to be a blowout, but just the way we're going to feel afterwards is going to be rough. Um Missouri's definitely on the up and yeah, up and up, that. and like we we always just seem to slip up when we play them, no matter what it is. I don't know why. I just for some reason I just don't feel good going into this game. We might have a little day, bit more confidence than we than we deserve to have going into Missouri. Um, I I just see them edging us out in this one. I think Matt put it perfectly, so I'm just gonna end it there. It's a tough one, but you know, then we come back the week later against Auburn. For the game everyone has circled for revenge purposes. Yes. Is there a game and we're more excited for, honestly? Like, just looking forward to than Auburn? I mean, it's hard to look past Eastern Illinois right now. Yeah, I was saying. It's right in the front. It's right in the front. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. if you look at any game this season, you're like, in a, if it's if it's going to be a, a one of the toss-up games that we win, you know, it might be better if we beat Missouri or Kentucky for the East purposes or beat Tennessee just because those are our, our division rivals. But this is the one I want. I want and this game so bad. We've we've seen this team. You you got to think also. The past couple years against uh, with Muschamp, we started much stronger than we finished, and just having the apathy set in late season, it would be it is so important with with Coach Beamer, despite the ups and downs that we will face this season. When with with such a tough schedule to end the season, there's a real shot we could go. 0-5 between the A&M and Clemson games. I think it's very important that, that we find a win, and I'm really hoping that this is the one. So do I... Th- I don't know much about Auburn. I don't think that Harson was a great hire. Um, he's he's easily the most boring coach you could possibly imagine if anyone's ever uh, heard him speak. 
Auburn seems like they've been in disarray this offseason. By the 11th game of the year, maybe that all that's fixed and they turn out to be a decent team. I'm saying this is a W, though. I'm right there with you. This is a W. Let me tell you why. Because I said Eupel is a terrible hire, but Brian Arson, possibly one of the worst hires in the history of hires. You shoved out. You, you, you just gave... Gus Malzahn, $20 million, $20 million plus dollars to get out of town. The man is the only coach in the SEC that could touch beating Saban, to be realistic, outside of a couple of, like, rogue shots here and there. The only guy in the SEC that could come close to doing it. I know that Auburn has these expectations and all that, but I don't think they're going to get better with the guy that they hired. I think they're actually going to get worse. I think you're hearing things out of camp, and you're seeing that Maybe there are some issues there. I know, obviously, every first-year head coach is going to have growing pains, especially when you're coming from a school that is of the level of Boise State, even though Boise State is a very famous school for their, their level and their size. But it's just it's not a good hire. It's not a good fit. We were better than them last year. And Beamer, I think, is going to have a big grudge as well because I think that they – caused a lot of crap there at the beginning of his senior at South Carolina. And he's definitely had this one circled for a while. And I think Beamer's going to be the kind of guy that when he has something circled, like he is going to get it done. Um, don't have anything to back that up with yet, but I think this will be the start of it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, rain on everybody's sh- sunshine pumping. Just because we hate Auburn doesn't necessarily mean that we're a better football team. Absolutely it does. No, that's exactly what <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's why we've been beating Clemson so much. So I well, just think that because Muschamp is a punk ass bitch. So <laughs> I I know that notes. this is not what people want to hear, but Auburn is still a better football team with us, even though that they're in a state of That's disarray. Not it's not they're quite not as bad as what we, we did are beat in. them last year. Don't year. listen to Clayton. They're not. They year. are in no way a better football team than us. They are just no. not. They are not a better football team. Well, you guys can sunshine pump all you want. But uh, I, also, I know Auburn I, wins four games this year. I don't. Even I know want Auburn. Like. I want to beat Auburn just as much as anybody else. Well, then I put it in the W column, Clayton. Do it. I, I'm picking with my Girl brain, pick. not my heart. Well, your brain is stupid, and I do not apologize for that. Well, the rest of us picked, uh, picked a W <laughs> there. So, uh, last but not least, Clemson. Uh, it's. I think the only chance we have in this game is that Clemson takes a massive step backwards. If they're the team people expect them to be, it's going to be pretty similar to what it's been the last couple times we played them. Uh, but, you know, if if they turn into, instead of being this 12-0 and team, if, if they drop a couple ACC games then and we live up to a, a potential bowl team, then maybe we've got an outside shot. But, yeah, I don't, don't see much hope for us this year. But anything's possible, yeah. I guess. All I know is that my prediction, um, I've, I've got this team coming into the Clemson game at 7-4, and four, um, and I think that would be a great record for this team, especially what they've been through the last couple of years. And I think these guys might have a lot of confidence looking at that record of 7-4, and four, even though that sounds kind of bad when you say that. And, you know, we do got the guy, we do got Clemson at home. Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. Um, you know, if, if a Pitt team or a NC State kind of team could beat – Clemson Tigers at their best. Why not us? Why not us? Um, NC State never did, though. I'm, I meant like Syracuse. Anyway, 
it's still going to be an L, is what I'm putting it down as. But <laughs> yeah, I you know I, I can't not say that I think there's a chance to beat Clemson. I can't not say it. I said it in 2019, but I, that, hopefully that'll be the last time I ever say that. Well, that that wraps us up there. So I guess for total final predictions, Devin and I are the people that are keeping us uh, humble, predicting us to go five and seven. Then Matthew and Tyler, seven and five, got some sunshine pumpers. Austin with a surprising eight and four record. That's yeah, a, I'm, that's I'm, pretty sunshine pumping there, Austin. That that is. Uh, I, again, I'm on the fence with the Kentucky and the and the Florida game. That's really where my uh, record comes in. Is I'm, I've got the the Kentucky game is kind of keeping me above everyone else. But I'm, I'm not going to change my mind. Screw it. Eight hey, I, I, uh, I would love nothing more than to see all of your predictions come true. Yeah, I'm hoping and that, the four uh, loss predictions not off. come true. I'm hoping we pull off the upset against Florida. I'm not actually super confident in that, but I think at least the way I see Florida going into this season, it could happen. I think six and six is probably the pick, and you know, combined, that's what we come out to. Yeah, six and six with uh, wins against the the non conference teams, Eastern Illinois, ECU, and Troy, and then winning uh, the Vandy game, which I think we'll be favored in, and then. Of the four swing games, beating Tennessee and Auburn, losing to uh, Missouri and Kentucky. And I think, all things considered, you'd take that. I think that's what what the average Gamecock fan looks at this season is like, if we can win six games, I think that's a big success. Yeah, I, I, think I think it's think definitely if get, possible. If you get a bowl game, you, you can't look at this season as anything other than a success. Like you Absolutely just said, not. So. Considering how the last season ended, we've got a brand new coaching staff. Or how the last know. two seasons have gone in general. I this mean, is true. Absolutely. Yeah. To get Even back to a bowl seven. game and to have earned a bowl game, I, I think uh, I think that would be a massive, massive step for this team. So, and considering the lines for what you'd project, because South Carolina, by most projections, is 13th in the SEC, only uh, Vanderbilt below us, which I think we would disagree with. But based on that, we would go four and eight, and so I think any record better than four and eight is by numbers perspective is better than we expect. I, agree. I think I think four and eight would be disappointing. I think oh, five and seven would be system. like five and seven would be okay. Honestly I don't have with five and seven or six. I, 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 I wouldn't be upset with five and seven. As long as six. it's a competitive, like a competitive five and seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six and it, six it, it depends five. on how it looks. Like if, sure. if our six and six is like six good wins but six blowouts, I'm not saying it would be, then I guess it's different. But I mean if we're a competitive like keeping it within at least two scores for all these games, I mean, there, I, I, you, you got to hang your head high over that, considering where we're at. I would right agree now, with program. that. I would agree with that absolutely. Um, I, I would say five and seven would be the biggest, like, eh, but I mean, I, I get it, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm obviously in the sunshine pumper and have hyped myself up a lot more for this season. Apparently, I'm the sunshine um, pumper. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I can, I can see a scenario. Changing. I can see a scenario where it just shit comes off the rails and we go eight and four. I really can. I think the schedule, as tough as the schedule is, the layout could provide something like that. Um, and that's kind of where my seven and five comes from, just because I think we're going to load up on some wins that you know are either easy wins or a toss-up win that goes our way early in the season, and we just carry some momentum onto the back half. Um, but I mean, obviously we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, but. Um, I, I, w- I think where our general consensus lands at 6-6 six and six is very fair, and it would not be a bad season at all. 
Yeah, I think that'll that'll pretty much wrap us up. Uh, it's very exciting around here. We're getting that much closer. We're talking about real games, real results. Uh, next week, we'll we'll jump in with predicting the rest of the SEC, how every team stacks up, where the Gamecocks finish in the the East, uh, who goes to Atlanta, and then it's real games. We're we're talking Eastern Illinois preview. We're talking SEC Week One results and. Uh, also, uh, a little bonus episode coming later this week. We'll have an interview uh, with a special guest, so uh, hmm. keep an eye on your feed. I am intrigued. The content, the content's coming quick. So uh, you know, eleven days as of now, and and it's it's going to be real close. By the time we're uh, we're posting next week's episode, it'll be real college football. I mean, even when this episode's out, real college football games just days away. So can't wait for Let's it, guys. Go. Can't wait. See you guys next week. Yeah, see you. How's it going?